So we've been making comments for five years now. That's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. always felt like I was missing out on the life that I was meant to live. You know, you go to school, you get a job, and after a while, it just feels like there must be something more out there. But everything changed when I found Commons. The Commons system has given me the financial freedom I always deserved. Commons is so much more than a podcast. It's a lifestyle. And if you're strong enough, it's an opportunity to create the future you deserve. Hi, I'm Jordan Cornish, and I've been a part of the Commons family for five years. I used to be a broke, low-mindset restaurant worker. But today, thanks to the Commons system, I'm a successful entrepreneur, managing a team in the fast-growing field of auditory digital media content sales. But don't just take my word for it. Meet my newest recruit. Hi, I'm Noor Azriye. Once I found the Commons system, my whole life changed. Our exclusive, limited-time-only, metaphorical microphone starter kits will have you feeling like a podcast CEO in no time. But here's the best part. If you're motivated, you'll be able to become an independent Commons podcast market partner with audio heads reporting directly to you. And of course, you'll get a cut of their profits. I know what you're thinking. This sounds like a pyramid scheme. It's not. Pyramid schemes are illegal. Trust me, the only pyramid we endorse is one made of studio soundproofing. Our fearless podcasting maestro guides us with the wisdom of a thousand studio sessions. His words are not just spoken. They're the gospel of the airwaves, resonating with the divine frequency of audio alchemy. Here he is now. Hi, I'm Arshi Mann, and I hope you'll soon join the Commons family. Now, the Common System is a multi-step, innovative, disruptive, knowledge-based lifestyle model that guarantees that you'll thrive in the breakneck world of voice-based media content deliverables. And if you send us only $200, not only will you receive our Common Starter Pack, but for only $50 more a month, you'll get access to my many illuminating seminars, like how to podcast while sleeping. Why podcasting is the key to making you a more virile lover, why Jesus was the first podcaster, and how to resonate with the divine frequency of audio alchemy. So sign up now for this life-changing opportunity. I'm Arshi Mann, and this is Commons, and so can you.
years ago, CBC Marketplace flew Robert Fitzpatrick up to Toronto to be a talking head for a piece that they were doing on a specific multi-level marketing company. But when I got up there, I discovered, well, they really wanted me to go with them undercover into a meeting. And so, so I didn't exactly explain that before. So we did that. They had hidden cameras and we went to this hotel room. It's where you know, so many of them are held. And the guy on the stage was uh, presenting the pitch. As it turns out, it was jewelry or stones. As in all these cases, it doesn't matter, soap or whatever, it doesn't matter. The mystery of it, the hook, the thing that made it so exciting, electrifying even, was the income opportunity. And the income opportunity, of course, is based on this perversion of math. You get five and then they recruit and so on. And pretty soon you've got this army of people below you just feeding money up to you. So the producer sitting next to me with her camera and in her hat, she says, ask him a question, you know, so, okay. He had just explained this whole business of recruiting some people. So I got up and had a little calculator in my hand. I said, well, I have a question. And the crowd was all excited. Of course, the crowd is full of shills, too, as all these meetings are, you know, laughing at his jokes because they've got their own recruits there that they want to impress and, and enroll. So here I got up and said, I've listened to your presentation, but it's based on me getting five and then they get 25 and so on. So I'm just showing my calculator. If I do that five times five times five in just a few cycles, we're going to pass the entire population of Canada. How could that work? Wouldn't that destroy the market? So the crowd felt very silent for a moment. And the guy actually never even looked at me. He just looked at the crowd and he said, see that, see there, that's what I was talking about. This guy here, he needs a little calculator for him to see an opportunity. If you need a little calculator to see what I'm describing to you, opportunity of a lifetime, this isn't for you. And well, the crowd, oh, love that. Oh, God, now they're happy. They're all happy again, whereas I had kind of brought them all down, you know, with math and saturation and Canada's population and and so on. Debbie Downer. <laughs> and he brought them all back up by portraying me as just a pathetic loser. Some guy that can't see it. So risk averse, so scared, he has to run to his calculator. So the meeting went right on. Multi-level marketing isn't based on rational business logic. It's not even built on a rational business logic. It's ideology. It's faith. And it's a particularly American form of faith, the Protestant ethic stripped away of even the pretensions of Christian charity. Multi-level marketing has become such a ubiquitous part of North American life that its tenets are rarely ever questioned. The sector holds enormous political sway. Millions of people join, leave, and rejoin every year, almost all of them ending up poorer for the experience. And to call it a cult is not just a cute turn of phrase. The cultishness of MLMs is essential to their success. For Robert Fitzpatrick, his first encounter with this way of thinking left him a little shaken. 
It was the 1980s, and a friend of his had invited him to play the airplane game. It's a little hard to describe verbally because it's so absurd. Now, the first thing to understand is that this wasn't a game per se. It was a money-making scheme in the shape of a pyramid. The scheme was not described, of course, as a pyramid scheme. No pyramid scheme is ever described as a pyramid scheme. It was described as a, a new sort of form of economics, a new age economic system based on abundance, not scarcity, on cooperation, not competition. And it was based on the idea that there's enough for everybody. It was sort of presented as an enlightened method of sharing and creating wealth. At the top of the pyramid was the pilot. Underneath them were two co-pilots, then four flight attendants, and then eight passengers at the bottom. Eight people put in their money, in this case, $1,500. When all eight people have done that, that money goes directly to the person at the top. If you looked at it as like the balls in the game of pool on the table, shaped like that as a triangle, it would then split down the middle. So the two that were just below the person at the top now become the top person. Everybody splits right down the middle. Now... They are two planes, with each of the co-pilots being pilots in their own rights. The flight attendants become co-pilots, and the passengers become flight attendants. But there aren't any passengers who are the ones who bring in the money. So eight new people had to be recruited to keep the game going. And if you moved up four levels, you would receive the next eight people who joined their money, which would be $12,000. $12,000 was worth a lot more back then. This was an electrifying income for many people. Some people would get the money in a matter of a few days, and then they could re-enter and do it again and again. So there were people that had gotten fifty, seventy-five, hundred thousand dollars in a matter of weeks. I know that all sounds like absolute nonsense today, but in the context of this and seeing people whom you knew who looked like you. Not professional scam artists, not used car salespeople, or somebody selling you gold coins or anything like that. Chiropractors, ministers, dentists, and so on were involved in this. Of course, when it collapsed, it was actually prosecuted by the police. Some people actually got arrested for being involved in this. When that happened, for me, it just set off an intense need to figure this out. Where did this thing come from? Because it generated millions of dollars in a very short time in the area where I lived at the time, which was in South Florida, it seemed to come out of nowhere, and it attracted thousands of people in a state of wild ecstasy and euphoria. Robert, of course, lost his fifteen hundred dollars, but he was baffled as to how he had let himself get swindled like that. I also discovered many of the people were in it. Didn't want to talk about it after it was gone. So he began to study pyramid schemes, not just the economic literature, which was fairly limited at the time, but also the psychology behind them. While I was doing that, multi-level marketing seemed to just sweep into South Florida like a tidal wave, and many of the people who were in that airplane game contacted me again. And said, "You got to get in on this. You know, this is going to be great." Well, you know, by now 
I kind of knew how it worked. And I said, it's a pyramid scheme. Can't work. Virtually everybody's going to lose. They No, no, you don't understand. This thing is a business. This is legal. This is direct selling, multi-level marketing. The history of MLMs can be traced directly back to a single company. All other MLMs are its progeny. Neutralite. Neutralite, which was originally called the California Vitamin Company, was founded in the 1930s and was the result of a number of disparate phenomena in American business and culture at the time. First off, direct door-to-door selling was a common business practice. Before World War II, sales and advertising were not the massive industries that they would become. Even when I was a kid, to say you were a salesman was not really thought of as a very high status thing to do. It was always looked on a little bit suspect as a a kind of scammy kind of business to be in. Persuasion, false intimacy, having to sort of control your personality and affect interest in people's lives and so on and hype up something that is probably quite ordinary. And in that sales psychology world, the people who founded the first multi-level marketing company were two men. And one of them came out of the direct selling world, selling funeral plots. And this was done often door to door back then. Prior to that, cemeteries and funerals were very private, non-commercial affairs. Most people were buried in churchyards. Certainly didn't need a sales guy coming around selling you a cemetery plot. And funerals were very low cost private affairs. But all of that got very much commercialized over time. That was his business, managing teams of salespeople. The other guy that was the partner in that was a psychologist, a person who was involved in what we now call pop psychology. And much of it was marketed to salespeople, most famously Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. That is, it took sales psychology and made it look like it was human psychology when really it was an ideology based on the benefits of selling stuff. These two men, a pop psychologist and a cemetery plot salesman, joined the California Vitamin Company and helped it transform into a new kind of business. A business that resembled a scheme made famous by an Italian immigrant in Boston. He simply promised people an exorbitant rate of return on their investment. They give him their money, and then in a matter of weeks and months, he would return to them profits on that money he claimed he was able to make with their money. In fact, as it turned out, he wasn't doing anything with their money. He would just take the later people's money and give it to the earlier investors. So now he kept needing more and more people in order to keep paying the earlier investors. He was prosecuted, put in prison, And it became famously called the Ponzi scheme, named after him, Charles Ponzi. When the two men, Lee Mittinger and William Castlebury, joined Neutralite, they created a system that bore a striking resemblance to what Ponzi had done just a few years ago. So they invented 
what looked like a new type of direct selling, a new structure for direct selling, which was really just the Ponzi scheme or the pyramid scheme sort of melded in with a product sales. And then they used the same terminology of business. So, you know, start out as a sales representative and then you move up to manager, then you become executive. These were all phony titles for just recruitment levels moving up the chain. But that's how it got invented. It came right out of the clay of ordinary, mundane, door-to-door selling, the manipulations of customers. But it did borrow on and feed upon a very sophisticated sales psychology that was a persuasion technique and an indoctrination that justified this kind of coercion and domination and manipulation of people as somehow the natural way for an economy to function and that the salesperson is the engine behind it all. And Neutralite was essentially a little vitamin company. Until this new plan was brought into it, it was nothing. It was not going anywhere. It was failing. But when this pyramid money-making scheme was attached to it and brought into it, it suddenly exploded and it went nationwide. Neutralite was the first MLM, but it's not the most important one. The most significant company in the MLM world, the one that would become a cultural phenomenon that would go on to have American presidents at its beck and call and would spread the MLM ideology to every corner of the world was founded by two Neutralite sales reps. They called their new venture Amway. The two men who founded Amway, Jay Van Andel and Richard DeVos, were two of the top sales reps at Neutralite. And they realized that you're not really selling vitamins. You're selling this income scheme. So it really didn't matter what the product was. It needed to be a household thing, a consumable, but beyond that, it didn't really matter. So they chose laundry soap and they created a new company. They took 5,000 of those salespeople with them from Neutralite. Neutralite later declined very rapidly, was actually acquired by Amway. And these two guys, Van Andel and DeVos, took the whole scheme, lifted the whole thing, really didn't alter it. But they did introduce something quite new. They brought into it their own backgrounds of a form, a radical form of Calvinism. They believed that making money was, in fact, a godly thing to do. And in fact, poverty is really a form of sin. So a poor person is a sinner and a rich person, their riches are evidence of their state of grace. And so enterprise became a kind of holy thing to do. And these two guys were steeped in this. They were from a a very radical sect of Dutch Calvinism. So they brought this kind of moral view into it in which they could make people who failed feel ashamed. So even though the scheme is designed so that 99% are always going to fail, they could teach it in such a way that those people who failed would not complain, but would feel shame for what happened. 
On the other side, they could portray the getting of money in almost mystical terms of not just money, but fulfillment of total happiness, of achieving self-respect. So you could see they had the makings here of extreme manipulation if people would buy into that, that once you were told first that we have a system that anybody can become a millionaire in, it's up to you. Amway ostensibly sold laundry soap, but their real product was salvation through financial freedom. Back then, Amway was much more explicit about it being a Christian crusade, God's work. Books were written by the founders, all portraying it as sort of God's work. And most of the constituents, the people that they targeted, were Christians. And many of them were in smaller towns. So they were going after fundamentalist Christians, small churches, and they often recruited pastors, preachers who became the big proselytizers of the Amway scheme. But Christianity itself began to adopt this view, probably the most powerful and fastest growing sector of Christianity is now called prosperity theology. What is that? It's nothing really more than the radical idea I just described earlier, the foundation of capitalism, that making money is sort of God's plan for you. And failure to make money is an an indicator of somehow you're out of sync with the universe, with God's intention, with the mystical plan. So you're the loser. You're the pathetic loser. No mercy should be shown. No sympathy should be shown. And certainly no safety net for you. So it becomes a very rigid, harsh form of morality, essentially based on money. In the post-war years, Amway grew massively. They expanded into other cleaning products, makeup, and even vitamins when they bought out Neutralite, their progenitor company. By the 1960s, thousands of people every month joined as distributors. By 1977, there were 360,000 Americans enrolled, meaning that there was one Amway distributor for every 200 U.S. households. Around a million other people had tried and left the company at some point. Now, I want you to just take a moment and think about the math here. If each distributor has on average around 200 potential households with the goal of signing them up as distributors in their downline, well, that's just not a lot of potential targets. Most people do not want to do sales. Many of those households will include folks who already tried Amway or another MLM and failed. In some states, the situation was even more dire. In Wisconsin, there was an Amway distributor for every 82 households. The numbers doomed almost all Amway distributors to certain failure. But if you didn't make money, Amway was clear who was to blame. You. And Robert says that the way that MLMs are able to hide their true nature and the inevitability of failure is by creating a cult-like environment. You couldn't possibly operate a scam of this scale affecting this many people without it being a cult. 
you have to get people to believe. If you presented this thing straightforwardly or just in business terms, or if you were full disclosure about this, the truth would demolish this thing so fast. You have to cover it all up. And the way you cover it up is by distracting people, redirecting them, and getting them focused on esoteric things, on mystical things, on spiritual things, personal things, rather than on the business itself. You need a form of coercive control. You need to dominate because you're planning to steal from them. As some people have called it, it's fraud on an industrial scale. And to run fraud on an industrial scale, you need a belief system, you need propaganda, you need a cult system of dominating and, and mind control. In many people's minds, I think correctly, they do not think that a business could ever be a cult. But they have to delve into multi-global marketing to see, no, it's not a business. That's the key thing. No business can be based on an infinite chain. That's the first occultic thing it has. A chain with no end. That doesn't exist. A supply chain with no end. If it has no end, it can't have a beginning. So now you're into the mysteries of the eternity. And that obviously cannot be in business. There was a moment, in Canada at least, when Amway, the spear point of the MLM movement, was under serious pressure. In Canada, for a while at least, things were a little different. In the 1980s, Amway's founders were wanted fugitives. The RCMP discovered that Amway had engaged in a massive tax evasion scheme to defraud the Canadian government. And what the government said is that, that they were basically shipping goods in there and cooking the books. I think the point of it is that it was true law-breaking. It was a felony, and there were arrest warrants put out for these two guys, the founders of Amway. And then, miraculously, the case got settled with a big fine, a big fine at that time for a Canadian tax case, but no criminal charges. At the same time that Canada was trying to extradite Amway's founders, Ronald Reagan was cozying up to them. Amway had considerable influence in Michigan, a swing state. And suddenly also, the president of the United States is to become the big endorser of Amway and goes and speaks at one of their rallies. It's people like you who show us the heart of America is good. The spirit of America is strong, and the future of America is great. You give meaning to words like entrepreneur, self-reliance, personal initiative, and yes, optimism and confidence. And you will lead America to take freedom's next step. The president of the United States is now speaking to a company that only about three and a half years before was prosecuted by the Federal Trade Commission as a pyramid scheme. And the Canadian government had just levied the largest fine in history in a tax case against it for a felony of tax fraud against the government of Canada. Amway continued to amass political power. With the help of Bill Clinton and members of his administration, they were able to get Amway legalized in China, a massive new market for the company. 
Until then, MLMs had been banned in China under their anti-cult laws. And I think the Chinese government officials just saw Amway meetings. 10,000 people with lit candles chanting, flush that stinking job. Flush that stinking job. Well, you know, the Chinese officials are probably thinking, that job, that's our factories (laughs) where we make our money. And this company is going to come over and tell people to get rid of their jobs. And where do they get their authority? We're the authority here. Bill Clinton gave a taped address to the Direct Sellers Association, the MLM lobby group, in 1996. You strengthen our country and our economy, not just by striving for your own success, but by offering opportunity to others. But we need even more of the kind of opportunity direct selling represents. Your industry gives people a chance, after all, to make the most of their own lives. And to me, that's the heart of the American dream. His Secretary of State, Madeleine Albright, would go on to make millions of dollars as a Herbalife brand ambassador after she left office. Donald Trump was the epitome of MLM ideology and had himself run numerous MLMs. Cutting-edge health and wellness formulas and a system where you can develop your own financial independence. The Trump Network offers people the opportunity to achieve their American dream. He also appointed Betsy DeVos, who married Amway heir and former CEO Dick DeVos as his secretary of education. Doug Emhoff, the husband of current vice president Kamala Harris, is a corporate lawyer who's represented numerous MLMs, including Amway. A number of high-level employees for the FTC, the American Antitrust and Consumer Protection Agency, have gone on to work directly for MLMs after they leave their positions. So I think the culpability is so widespread, the thing is so big now, and then I think with authority, institutional authority, sort of tacitly at least supporting it, it's very hard for individual people to see straight up, this is flim-flam. The FTC and Canada's Competition Bureau treat MLMs with kid gloves. Occasional MLMs are prosecuted or shut down, but scrutiny is never applied to the sector as a whole. There are no sitting legislators in either Canada or the United States that have made opposition to MLMs a cause, despite the fact that there's a massive grassroots movement developing against them. But in the 2010s, there was a moment where an even more powerful force got involved in the fight. Wall Street. Bill Ackman, a billionaire hedge fund manager, decided that he was going to go after Herbalife, one of the largest MLMs. He took a massive short position against the company and publicly announced that he believed that the whole company was a pyramid scheme. And he figured if he showed that, the stock would plummet in value. So, you know, there's a way to buy a short position in the stock so that you profit when it goes down. And you believe it's a pyramid scheme. You you said repeatedly, and at one point I think you said that if you succeed, you're going to be donating the money, by the way, to charity. You said you called it blood money. Yes, I don't want to make money off of this because I just it's 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 not a happy thing, right? You've had millions of low-income people around the world who've gotten their hopes up that there's an opportunity for them to become millionaires or hundred thousandaires or or some number like that, and they've been duped. Robert Fitzpatrick was one of a number of experts who went to meet with Ackman while he was on this crusade. 
And he says that Ackman just didn't understand the bigger picture. The problem wasn't that Herbalife was an illegal pyramid scheme. The problem was that all MLMs acted in this manner, and the government gave them license to do so. The problem that he avoided, and when we met with him, we tried to say this to him, that Herbalife is just one of many, many, many companies. It's not unique. It's nothing better, worse. It's not even different from all these others. And so the problem you you face in trying to portray Herbalife as being a fraud is that it would implicate all the others. So they're going to defend the industry against you. But he says Ackman dismissed that argument. No, I haven't studied uh, carefully uh, Amway or Avon, but I think they are legitimate multi-level marketing companies. We're not saying that all multi-level marketing companies are pyramid schemes, but some are. He wanted to keep things simple. This specific company is bad, and once it's exposed, the stock price will collapse. And Robert says that the main point that Ackman couldn't seem to grasp was that MLMs are at their very foundation ideological enterprises, that these are cults, and in some ways, not unlike Wall Street itself. He may not want to get into showing that Herbalife is just one piece of a gigantic Ponzi scheme operating worldwide right under our noses and that most people are going to lose. So, yeah, we could see him that he had a very flawed and limited approach, but probably the only one he was capable maybe of doing. And he himself was kind of protecting himself. He didn't want to expose multi-level marketing. He just wanted to expose one. And what happened was another hedge fund represented by Carl Icahn, in the face of all that, just started buying up Herbalife shares because there's a thing called a short squeeze. And that's the incredible thing about short selling. You put yourself in a very vulnerable position. If the stock goes down, you're going to make a lot of money. But if the stock goes up, you're going to lose a lot more money than if you had just purchased the shares. So this other hedge fund saw this enormous opportunity. If I could drive that stock up, Ackman is going to have to buy those shares out, and that's going to drive the price way up. So he got caught in a short squeeze, and the price of shares did go up, and it finally forced Ackman out. And Carl Icahn prevailed, and then he dumped his shares eventually, and he got out of the picture. And it was another lesson to all of us that... It's pointless to approach these schemes one company at a time, but to reveal the whole thing as an ideology, as an insidious, fraudulent belief system, an authoritarian belief system that is permeating society, influencing government, that is far more dangerous than just a bunch of scam artists. That's a message that, again, journalists have a hard time with. Politicians run the other direction, but consumers... Many, by the thousands, by the millions, are beginning to see the bigger picture. And I think it equips them because there is a a pattern. I've seen it so many times where somebody will say, I was in Herbalife. I figured it out. It's a scam. Uh, But now I'm in Amway and it's much better. I have people have been in a dozen of them, spent years. And because each one says, oh, you were in that. Yeah, well, no wonder you lost because that's a pyramid scheme. We're direct selling, you know, and so on. Each one has a story like that. 
The fact that MLMs are at their core about ideology and not necessarily about work or business is best exemplified by what happened to Julie Anderson. Julie, who you heard from in our last episode, had joined Monate and gone all in on her MLM. But things weren't going very well, which of course they almost never do for anyone involved in MLMs. I wasn't able to recruit people. I was stalling. My business had plateaued. So naturally, I thought I should get coaching. And that's where she came across Rank Makers. Now, Rank Makers isn't an MLM. So it's a group on Facebook that you have to pay to join. And when I joined it, it was about $20 a month US. And it appeals to people in network marketing. That's what they call multi-level marketing. But they'll say, this is going to help you grow your business. You have stalled in your business. Maybe you're recruiting people and they're not working your business. Maybe you struggle with knowing how to create compelling titles for your Facebook Lives. Maybe you don't do Facebook Lives. What we're going to do, we have proven blueprints and scripts for you to use to explode your network marketing business. At the head of Rank Makers is Ray Higdon. Hi, I'm Ray Higdon. And before I was ever a coach or trainer, I was the number one income earner in a network marketing company. So I know what it's like to be in the field. I know. what. So he has the story, the big myth that he was in 11 or 12 different multi-level marketing companies before he finally decided to take this business, this industry seriously. What I since learned was he got in at pre-launch with a company called Numis. So he was invited by the owner to start at the top of the pyramid. But you don't hear that until you exit one of these high demand groups. When I came across it, I believe I came across a targeted Facebook ad and he was doing something called Free Coaching Friday. Welcome to Free Coaching Friday. Free Coaching Friday is where I answer your questions. Could be sales marketing, could be scripture, could be whatever, whatever you would like to ask me. I watched this and I thought, wow, this is incredible. I haven't heard anybody teach like this. This is going to really help me because I'm not doing any of these things. So this must mean like this is what's missing. So I paid $20 to get into this group and you're welcomed by all these different people. Welcome, Julie. And I thought, wow, there's all these different people from all these different multi-level marketing companies. And Julie took to rank makers with gusto. Wednesday was something called Wealth Wednesday. Everybody was supposed to go out and give money to a stranger without expecting anything in return. And this was supposed to improve your money mindset. Because with this law of attraction stuff, if, and you have to be thinking of abundance, not living in scarcity. So if you give money, it's going to come back to you tenfold. Thursday, I think it was uh, throwback Thursday. We'd have to follow up with people. He would give us targets, 20 to 40 people. Friday was free coaching Friday on his page. But in the group rank makers, it was celebration Friday. And he would say, upload a video of yourself dancing if you're talented or brave. And you can be celebrating if you recruited a person, if you just sent out a prospecting message, just celebrate on anything. And I did that. I really love doing that, especially when TikTok came on the scene. I love to do it. But it's so creepy now because there's thousands of us that were like uploading videos of us dancing into this group. Rank makers was the equivalent of mainlining MLM ideology. There's always more training because the whole point of rank makers, the real point, is to condition you to believe that you are broken, that you have limiting beliefs, that you are damaged. You think you just being on social media mandates you make a lot of money in network marketing? It doesn't. 
How many people did you reach out to? Did you do the daily action steps? Did you update the tracker? And if you didn't, what are you bitching about? What are you complaining about? Just say, hey, I'm making what I should be. It wasn't long before Julie's life began to revolve around rank makers. It's like 16 to 18 hours a day because I was always on my phone. I would always be sending messages or making videos, making content. I, in turn, had a bunch of Facebook groups. I'm still working my Monate business using like what I'm learning from rank makers, but I'm also really selling rank makers. Julie began to idolize Higdon, the head of rank makers. If you found like $20 in an old winter coat pocket, we would be like so happy and grateful to Ray and his training about mastermind visioning, envisioning prosperity. Because it's only because we did that training that we look at, we actually manifested $20. Money manifestation secrets. So instead of just wishing for a bunch of money, because what would that do, right? You need to ask, what would I do with more money? You would attribute success to anything to him. So you're always in this state of like, you think it's gratitude. It's not gratitude. It's like servitude. And she tried to emulate him as much as she could. He would also go live in this group and he would teach you how to do a live video. Because I thought, okay, I want to be like him. He's a success. He knows what he's doing. I'm going to just emulate his behavior. So I started to do a, a live video every day. So on top of Mon 8, I'm learning how to do a live video every day. Hi, everyone. My name is Julie Anderson, and I'm going to share with you three tips uh, that I learned from Ray Higdon and the 14-Day Challenge, how to become the best version of you. Hi, everyone. Happy Sunday. My name is Julie Anderson, and this is really awesome training from today's 14-Day Challenge. I'm taking this training with Ray Higdon. This is a quote from his training today, and it's day four. So this is it. Your words are crafting your reality reality around you. Hi, my name is Julie Anderson, and this is how to build a following on TikTok, even if you don't have a following on Facebook. Julie did this for years, even when she was desperate not to. In November 2020, her cat was incredibly sick, but Julie still felt compelled to go live on Facebook. Hey, my name is Julie Anderson. Thank you for being here. So is it worth it to do a live video even if you're having a rough day? I've been super lucky. I've been going live every day for going on three years now. And this is this is one of the first, not one of the, it's not one of the first, but it's definitely one that's really, really challenging me. Things can happen really fast, right? So I have a cat, um, adopted, rescued him from Mexico and he does have a kidney issue. And I've had two other cats pass away from from kidney issues. I know what's coming. I know what uh, will eventually happen. And at the same time, I'm in denial about it. And I'm aware of, of all this happening at the same time, right? And, uh, you know, when we got him, it was like, if I had a few weeks with him, I that was going to be fine. And it's been two and a half years. And I don't know what's going to happen. But all I know is I sure as fuck don't want to be doing a live video right now. And is it worth it? I don't know. Rank makers promised to help Julie move up her MLM, but that didn't happen. Instead, so much of her time and her money was being spent on Monate and rank makers. At one point, she was spending as much as $500 US a month just on rank makers classes. Eventually, Julie left both Monate and rank makers, but she's still recovering from her time in both.
I erroneously thought that once I woke up and I exited, that that would be the end of it. But that wasn't at all. I still didn't really understand what I'd been a part of. And I still, I still didn't really get why when people would say you're in a pyramid scheme, I still had this weird programming. It's like, yeah, but we do sell products. Like, what do you mean? It was about four months after I left. I went, I finally went to see a psychologist and that I should have done that right away. And I, I hope like that other people know that it's okay to do that because there's, there hasn't been a lot of people coming forward saying like, this is important for you to get into therapy because your mind has been fucked with. It's not enough just to get out. You're still carrying all this, these weird beliefs and the world is still black and white. The lure of MLMs is strong for so many struggling people. Even people in my own family who had really been convinced, well, for God's sake, whatever you do, don't talk to that person. He's going to try to talk you out of that. He's a negative thinker. And in some ways, we're living in a world crafted by MLMs and their ideologies. And I think it has influenced the very nature of work, where many younger people see this kind of thing and say, Why in the world would I take a job? MLM has been demeaning jobs for decades. J-O-B, journey of the broke, just over broke, wage slavery. And they have demeaned professions and social service or civic service or civil service. That's for losers, pathetic losers. It insidiously demeans the benefits and the glory, really, of work of true individuality, of of going and creating something on your own. But at the end of the day, what makes them so alluring is that they are built off of the ideology that already surrounds us every day. Unlike Brother 12, the Raelians, the FLDS, or many of the other groups we've covered this season, MLMs aren't countercultural. They're hypercultural. This has got to be the biggest cult. I can't think of a larger cult. It's a cult that is in a business suit, doesn't dress in, you know, shaggy hair or funny costumes. It's huge. It's not a small, marginal little thing like most people think cults are. It uses language that is familiar to us. It's the language of capitalism. That's why I called it the cult of capitalism. It's a cult built on capitalism. That's your episode of Commons. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. This episode relied on work done by Julie Anderson, Robert Fitzpatrick, Marco McIver, Amanda Montel, and many others. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at CommonsPod. You can also email me, arshi at canadaland.com. This episode was produced by me, Noor Azria, and Jordan Cornish, with additional production by Aviva Lassard. Our managing editor is Annette Edgefor. Our editor-in-chief is Karen Puglesi. And our music is by Nathan Burley. 
you can listen to Commons ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you value this podcast, please support us. We rely on listeners like you paying for journalism. As a supporter, you'll get premium access to all of our shows ad-free, including early releases and bonus content. You'll also get our exclusive newsletter, discounts on Canadaland merch, invites and tickets to our live and virtual events, and more than anything else, you'll be a part of the solution to Canada's journalism crisis. And you'll be keeping our work free and accessible to everybody. Come join us now. Click the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 